see my Twitter got hacked. Yeah, what the hell happened? I don't know, man. Okay, welcome back to the Nassman Hockey Podcast. James Nichols here, as always, and joining me today, uh, first time in a, in a little while there, pal, is Joe Pantorno, AM New York, Tailgate Sports. What's going on, buddy? Not much. Yeah, it does feel like forever. I think we've all been uh, kind of busy, been kind of wacky, but uh, yeah. glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime. Um, if, if you haven't heard, I think the, the last time you were on was before Tailgate Sports actually launched, if I'm not mistaken. So why don't you just give our audience a little bit of insight as to what Tailgate Sports is? Wow. Thank you for the plug. This is great. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, we are uh, launching a new sports betting website called Tailgate Sports, um, where basically our main focus is to educate and empower our readers, whether it's sports betting or just getting knowledge of everything they need to know before the game. Uh, we focus on every sport under the sun that we possibly can, at least for our small yet growing uh, staff, which uh, they've been working really hard, and I'm very thankful for them. And uh, while I still do that as editor-in-chief, I'm still working with AM New York as their Islanders and Mets guys. So we have been busy, but that means job security, and we're very thankful for it. <laughs> Explains a little bit why it's been a, a little while since we've seen you on the show. Uh, Joe's been super busy. Always good things. Always good to hear. Um, but let's get to what we're here to talk about. Uh, on the Nassman Hockey Podcast, as always, which is the New York Islanders. Um, and the unfortunate note uh, that we spoke about last week is that they've been officially eliminated from the playoffs and uh, the regular season has ended. Um, all, all but one game that's going to be played later today on Monday, the second, as we record this, I, I believe it's the Winnipeg Jets who got uh, one game postponed. Um, but the playoffs are, are about to start and the New York Islanders will not be a part of that. Um, exit interviews were conducted, um, and there was a pretty general consensus amongst the roster, right? Um, they all pretty much said, you know, we're, we're not, we're not mad. We're just disappointed. The, the, the good old parent guilt line, uh, we're, but, but in themselves that we're disappointed in ourselves, we expected better of this season. Um, what were some of your, your key takeaways from the exit interviews, Joe? Yeah, I think it was really just the, like you said, the overarching disappointment that was, you know, transmitted from basically everybody on the team. And that's completely understandable. And you really can't blame them for being angry just because there was all of the things that we've covered ad nauseum that's happened to them yeah. uh, this year. This was really the year from hell uh, for this franchise and both on and off the ice. This was one of the most difficult seasons that I can really remember a team in the NHL going through. Um, but still at the same time, I think it's also one of the most disappointing considering yeah. just where these preseason expectations were. Um, but that being said, I also kind of got this sense of relief in a way um, from, from the team and even Barry Trotz leading up to the last game of the season where it was just kind of like, okay, we got through it. Um, you know, yeah, we're not in the playoffs. This was the year from hell, but we got through it with all of our, appendages and and everybody made it through semi-healthy and um again the final buzzer sounded on friday night against tampa and it's already eyes on next year and this yeah. is an opportunity for them to finally have a full off season where they can train and get ready and it's not shortened or abbreviated um and they can kind of put all of their efforts forward towards just getting ready for the start of the season not necessarily getting healthy or just trying to get some rest here and there it's right. full steam ahead. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. There there definitely was a sense of relief there because if you look at the last few off seasons that the Islanders had, they went on two deep runs, right, to the Eastern Conference Final. They've had like a month and a half in between their seasons in, in the past two seasons, if that, whereas other teams have had, you know, plethora of rest. Now, you know, you, you can turn around and say, well, look at the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and they're right back in it after – you know, two Stanley Cup wins and and uh, they're back in the playoffs again. And, you know, they're back to their dominant self. Steven Stamkos has a hundred plus season and, and whatnot. But, you know, we've also talked at nauseam about the difference in talent on both rosters. So we're not going to rehash that. However, 
um, something that we can say is that there has been more talk recently, um, especially from Tampa Bay's head coach, John Cooper, about the similarities, the parallels between the Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning and the road they took to their success. So um, I thought that was interesting from John Cooper. But you mentioned before um, how everyone in in the room, the Islanders room, was talking about, um, you know, already focusing on next season. And I thought that was a really great comment from Matthew Barzell's exit interview. Uh, I want to play a short clip here about what he said um, and everyone's thoughts and feelings on heading into next season uh, immediately after this one ended. Yeah, I think um, instantly after the game yesterday, we were already talking about um, bouncing back and where we know we need to be. So I think when you see that uh, that, that quick turnaround in, in a and us wanting to have a winning mentality and not, you know, worrying about plans this weekend or, you know, it was, it was the, the chatter was all about kind of getting better for next year and taking this off season, um, long off season and getting stronger. I feel like the last two, two years haven't really had a chance to uh, settle into, settle into training. So um, I think everybody's going to, going to work hard this summer, get better, um, get stronger. Um, and I think uh, this group's going to bounce back. Some really mature comments from from Barzell there talking about how, you know, we we didn't start to talk about, oh, what are we going to do this weekend or what are we going to do this summer since we have such a long time off to rest and recharge. The, the consensus in the room was, what are we going to do next season? How are we going to improve? How are we going to take that next step forward? Um, what, what are your thoughts on on that mindset right there? It's It's the right mindset to have especially for a team that still has a lot to prove and still has a lot of unfinished business. Um, kind of an interesting dynamic, really, where, you know, even in a sense, the Montreal Canadiens kind of have that mindset, too, where, okay, they were in the Stanley Cup final last year and yeah. worst team in hockey this year. Um, so they were on even more extreme ends of the spectrum compared to the Islanders. But that being said, I mean, this is really just a team that's going to – I, I really don't know how to properly say it, I guess, but it's more of a question of them just trying to remind the NHL that they are still, I don't want to say an elite team, but a top-tier team, um, where they still kind of have that style and that mindset that they're a tough team to play. And we saw it, again, we saw it in glimpses all yeah. throughout the season. We saw little spurts here and there, but it's all about consistency. And... I think a lot of the factors that withheld the team from really achieving that was as much of an off-ice problem as it was an on-ice problem. So I think when all of these exterior intangibles sort of died down, and maybe we have even a little bit more of a normal 82-game season next year, we might see more of an Islanders team from the last two years. But again, I just like playing devil's advocate here. We really haven't seen the Islanders succeed um to such high levels in a full two game season yet right so there is a grain of salt to take here and i think that's going to be one of the huge questions going into the 22-23 season if Lula Amarillo doesn't make a big splash yeah we're going to talk about if he does or does not make that big splash but one thing that Barzell spoke about um, in his exit interview was the chemistry he built with Zach Parise and how much he loved playing with him and, and what he's learned from him and how they've learned from each other and, and started to build some good chemistry um, and get a sense of each other's style of play where now Barzell's going to know where Parise is when he's not looking and vice versa. Um, he foreshadows a little bit the possibility of playing with Parise and Paul Mary next season. Um, can you see that being the Islanders' first line, essentially, because he, I know he was demoted uh, to the third line after his injury and, and pretty much stuck there for the remainder of the season. But if he's going to become the first-line center again for the Islanders, you know, the franchise player they believe him to be, can his line mates be Zach Parise and Kyle Palmieri? No. Um, if you want to say this is the second line, maybe that kind of cushions the blow a little bit. Um, but we need, we need to see Matthew Barzal with an elite goal scorer in order to maximize his talents. We, we've come to the conclusion, it's been four or five years now, Matthew Barzal is not a 30-goal scorer. 
he won't be a 30 goal scorer. Right. Um, but he should be a 60 plus assist man. Agreed. Um, so that's why you need to put him with the best possible talent. The problem is that the Islanders' best consistent talent is down the middle. Um, so, you know, if you go into next season and you're, you don't have that elite winger, I think you need to start the season with Matthew Barzal on the second line. And Brock Nelson needs to take the spot at the first line um, and see if he can, again, have a full healthy season, maybe where he's flirting with 40 goals. Um, so it's, it's all really going to come down to roster construction, but you cannot roll out in 22-23 with a first line of Parisi, Barzal, and Palmieri. Number one, it's just not good enough. Um, number two, it's, this isn't a, this isn't me putting down Zach Parise. He was probably the most consistent Islander, um, this season. He's the only one to play 82 games. Exactly. Um, and his effort was just as consistent where, you know, if you were to have some sort of faux MVP, you know, team MVP conversation, he would certainly be in that discussion. Um, that being said, he's going to be 38 next year. Um, Right. He's. He scored 16 goals, um, so he's not just not a first liner. No, and listen, you take that on your third line all day. 15 goals or 16 goals, 35, 36 points. I mean, that's no that's no slouch for the third line, and especially at 38 years old. So, uh, and he does a little bit of everything. Parise, he, he uh, kills penalties. He plays on the second unit power plays. He's great at five on five, and like like you said, he gives 110 percent every shift. But I'm I'm in total agreement with you here. He's not a first liner anymore. He once was when he was scoring 35, 40 goals. Sure. Uh, but he's not that guy anymore. He gives the same effort. Great. Uh, but no, he's not, he's not the line mate for the uh, winning New York Islanders uh, next season. If that's what they want to be. I, I'm in uh definite agreeance with you there, Joe. Um, interesting comments came a little bit later uh, with Barzell. He was asked about, um, you know, his future and, and, does he want to sign a long-term extension with the Islanders, given that he is eligible for that starting this summer? Uh, let's hear from him on his contract extension and the possibility of staying a, an Islander for life. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've given thought to it. Uh, you know, would love to be here on the island. This is this is home. This is where I want to be. This is where I want to win. And um, I love my life here. Uh, love the city, the fans. Obviously, our new rink is amazing, and um, I love wearing the blue and orange. So, w- would love to sign long term here and um, spend. You know, I think it's such a such a cool thing when a player plays his whole career with one team. Uh, a lot of my favorite athletes have done that, so it's something I, I obviously would like to follow in as well. Who are your favorite athletes? Uh, I mean, Michael Jordan, um, Sid, just two guys that Patrick Kane. You know, those kind of guys. So I, I love those comments because he compares uh, or or he talks about his favorite players being Michael Jordan and then switches over to his favorite hockey players, which are current NHL players, Sidney Crosby and uh, Patrick Kane. Um, and, you know, it's funny the the comments came out and there was a slew of, oh, I've heard this before from he who shall not be named who left for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't, I don't need to tell you that these situations are not the same. Joe, tell me and the audience listening right now, why are these two situations not the same? And you should be happy to hear those comments from Matthew Barzell. I mean, I mean why wouldn't they be happy to hear those comments? <laughs> I mean, that, that's all he can do right now. All he can do is tell you. Right. You can just come out and say it uh, where it wasn't. You know, diplomatic conservative talk of, well, yeah, you know what, I, I would like to be back here, but that's up to the organization. And right, uh, no, um, the Islanders are in a much better place um, where they are now in a possible pursuit of giving Matthew Barzal a long term extension compared to where they were when they had the opportunity to sign John Tavares to a long term extension. And right. obviously, Barzal alluded to it with the new arena. That's a huge thing, number one. Huge. The Islanders are now, you know, tenants in a state-of-the-art, beautiful, immaculate facility. Um, Probably the number one arena around right now, like ever. 
I mean, sure. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I won't say that because I haven't been to all of them yet. Uh, okay. I, I do have some traveling to do. That being said, um, the Islanders are in a better spot um, in, in terms of where they are on the ice. I mean, yeah, they, they missed the playoffs this year, but they still have the bones of a two-time Stanley Cup semifinalist team. Right. Um, there, there's an actual legitimate light at the end of the tunnel here compared to Tavares, where it was more almost kind of like, well, it seemed like empty promises, and it might have seemed like empty promises to him at the time, where, okay, you know what, we're going to build a contender around you. Um, you know, well, we might get a new arena. <laughs> so, dealing in strict hypotheticals and then being offered an eight-year deal where you're going to say to yourself, well, you know, I can go somewhere where I think I know the grass is greener uh, right. or I try to stick it out. And obviously, you know, loyalty is a son of a gun here. And right. you're going to ask Islanders fans and say, oh, well, he should have stayed. Um, yeah, but at the same time, you have an opportunity to go to a better situation at the time, which Toronto certainly seemed like. And even heading into the 2018-19 season with Barry Trotz as your head coach, Toronto still seems like a better situation. Um, but now that the Islanders are a little bit more established, and even when they were amidst the season where they were missing the playoffs and they were getting eliminated, I think the conversation around the NHL was, okay, this is an anomaly. You know, the Islanders are going to be back next season. Um, and if you're the Islanders, you have to take Matthew Barzal up on this. Yeah. Um, and they'd be, uh, you know, they would be foolish not to. Yeah. It, it's, you know, hundred uh, percent agree with everything you just said. Barzell has seen a much different road as an Islander than, than John Tavares had seen, you know, the ownership Malkin and, and, uh, Ledecky versus Wong is much different. The, uh, the general manager Lamorello versus Garth Snow, much different. The head coach Capuano versus Barry freaking trots, much different. Uh, the success he's seen along the way, much different, right? I think he, he had one year with John Tavares, uh, where they were okay. Um, and then the season he leaves, they're suddenly better. And, you know, he saw why those things happened. He saw the change in ownership. He saw, um, you know, the, the change in uh, the the administration and, and how things were conducted around the team. So it, it's much different uh, experiences for Barzell than it is for um, John Tavares. And the reason why everybody should be happy about these uh, comments that he had said was exactly what you said, Joe. It's not up to the team. He he, he wants to be here, he said. He, he, he was not... He, Bared no bones about it. He, he was uh, not passive about it or anything like that. He said, this is where I want to be. I love it here. I want to sign a long-term extension. He said those words. You know, that you don't often hear that from a player, um, especially one who's contemplating not staying. So um, I I would rejoice if I if I were uh, in the fan shoes of, at, at those comments um, and, and take solace in the fact that Matthew Barzell is probably going to be here for the long term. Now the question becomes, um, he's got one year remaining on his contract. He's eligible this summer to sign that extension. Can you see things getting getting done this summer, or does Lamorello bide his time like he says he likes to? I would that this is tough. Um yeah. you know, based on recent track history, I mean I would say that Lamorello would bide his time. Also, I think there are a lot of other portions of the roster that need to be addressed and a still pretty tight salary cap situation that needs to be addressed Yeah, before you can legitimately come to Matthew Barzal and say, okay, listen, we want to give you a eight by 10 extension. Um, that's a whole different conversation. If, if he deserves a contract that large. Um, and I don't think that's one that I am going to partake in. <laughs> um, that being said, you need to get all of your ducks in a row right? Um, before you then make that big offer to him, which, you know, it's, it, it should come. Um, just the, the idea of figures or, or how much a year he's going to make, that's obviously uh, we, we have no idea about that right now. Yeah. Uh, the thing for me is, and I wrote this in my, my article that published a few days ago regarding Barzell's long-term extension that he does indeed want – um, I, I wonder if he bets on himself. He two things can be true. He can want to sign here long term and stay for here, uh, stay here for his career. However, he could also want to wait until next summer so that he can 
have a bounce back season. He he had a, a another good season, but he slightly regressed. Um, there were there were moments where you kind of scratched your head with him, and you you would almost imagine that he wants to bet on himself this season coming up to have a better one. Um, to to maybe maximize the the dollar amount on that contract. Yeah, I think, and and, and this might be more of a testament to the shrewdness of Lou Lamarillo as a businessman. Mm-hmm. You might see Lou Lamarillo come to Matthew Barzal this summer. Again, this is no, this is just, this is mere speculation. I right. get that out there in the first place. You know, Lou Lamarillo can go to Matthew Barzal and kind of give him a low ball offer and say, sure. well, you know what? And, and again, this is, I'm speaking just strictly facts here on paper. Statistically, this is the worst season Matthew Barzal had as a pro. Right. In terms of production, worst season he had. Um, still, you know, again, that's he had a, a rotating carousel of line mates. There was zero consistency around him. It's understandable. Um, so you want to see again. You want to see the Islanders go out and invest in Barzell by investing in the team further, and that's making a deal to ensure that they get a perennial thirty-plus goal scorer. Right. Yeah, that, that that makes total sense. Um, you know, I, I had wondered, um, you know, along with another contract that has to be done, if if uh, Lamorello would lock both of them up long term, just to hopefully keep the cap hit uh, as low as he can. Um, and that second contract that we're talking about is Noah Dobson, um, fifty one points in his third quote unquote. I, I, I'm going to put those in air quotes. NHL season, um, however contractually it is his third season he is due for a contract uh do both sides agree on a long-term marriage already uh or does dobson opt for the bridge deal for a bigger payout uh later in his career because he's again just 22 years old that might be the option i mean we saw with barzal and we're seeing it with Ilya sorokin uh, right these, these bridge deals that being said i think noah dobson's ceiling is probably the highest of those three um, which says a lot about Noah Dobson and the season that he had. This was yeah. a this was a historic season that was had by a 22 year old defenseman in terms of Islanders franchise history. Right, um, and we're already seeing the makings of a number one defenseman of the future. Oh, how could you say that, Joe? I know. Uh, <laughs> a, a, I would like to think, if not a perennial. Norris trophy candidate or candidate in the conversation at least, <laughs> um, but a, a future franchise captain as well. Oh, um, I like that. This is so this is something that might be played a little differently where I think the conversation of a long term deal should be had. Yeah. Um and you know what? You might go out and say, all right, well this was a limited sample size and uh, you know, he's still young and he, you know, he might regress, uh, you know, in his second or third full season, however you want to call it next year. Um, right. You have to see who he's paired with. Um, that's another big thing. But at the same yeah. time, I think, I think the Islanders are going to be ready to take the training wheels off in terms of pairing him with a veteran defenseman that's going to be able to show him the ropes. Um, because if he can get through this season, and excel the way he did, you know, you put him under normal circumstances and you should see even more of a boost uh, in his numbers next year. Yeah. I mean, so I'm looking right now at the uh, athletics um, player cards. I, I like to, to check these out once in a while. Um, it was good to see Noah Dobson's card uh, continually escalate in, in terms of production. Um, but what also escalated was his market value uh, by Dom Lucheson of the, uh, of the athletic, his market value is a uh, quote unquote 7.9 million a year. Um, seems a bit rich for a 22 year old coming off of his first season of success. But if they did uh, decide that a long term marriage uh, should be had starting this this summer, what, what does that contract look like? Obviously, the, the term would be eight years. Uh, what's what's that AAV in your mind? Listen, I mean. That value of seven point nine million in the long run, that could be one hell of a bargain. Um, that's a gamble, though. Right. Um, that being said, I mean, is seven million out of the question? 
where that that might seem too rich for him. I wonder if he gets paid annually more than Pollock or Pellick at this point. That's that's tough, right? Um, and and again, I don't think the Islanders are. You know, Lou Lamarillo isn't the kind of guy that's going to give out that traditional kind of contract where it's yeah. say, okay, you're the highest player on this team. Where you know it could be an eight year deal with a seven million dollar average, but the first two or three years he's making three million a year or four million a year. Um, I don't know. It could be backloaded. You, you know, these are all hypotheticals that are out of the realm of my knowledge or forte, I guess I could say. Um, I don't know if that would kind of send a message to either Pelik or Pulak. Um, but at the same time, I think everybody within the organization realizes just how good Noah Dobson could be. Right. Yeah. I, it, it's interesting because, um, again, like I said, I, I don't know if he gets a, a higher dollar amount than Pelik or Pulak just yet. Um, so that's where the bridge deal might come into play. But if, if, Noah Dobson, and it seems like he's a a, a reasonable person and, and a, a great locker room guy. Um, if he's sensible enough to say to himself, "I'd love to sign long term here. We're, we're building something special at a, a you know the dollar amount of of maybe an eight by six deal." Uh, you know that that's a steal for the Islanders right there, and he knows that they're building something special towards the future. And if he shaves off a little off the top. Uh, it helps everywhere else for for the Islanders and, and Lamorello and what he's able to do and acquire um, in the off season. So um, I, I I'm with you. I won't rule it out. It does seem a little more likely though to me that he'll get a bridge. Um, yeah. However, we have seen Lamorello step up a, a year early in Ryan Pulak in extending guys to an eight year deal. When he extended Ryan Pulak for for eight years, everybody was kind of like, "Whoa, that came out of nowhere." So. Um, Listen, Lou Lamorello, it's a crapshoot with him. Anything can happen, so you, ne- I, you never know. Yeah, I, I think you run the risk um, of if a bridge deal does happen and Dobson gets even better and yeah. better and suddenly he's a 65, 70-point defenseman and he's averaging 23 to 25 minutes per game. Right. Um, all of a sudden, then you run the risk of when that bridge deal does end He's priced himself out of your market. Right. He, he's almost there now. I think he's averaging like 21 and a half, maybe 22 right. minutes a night. Um, and if it wasn't for the whole season, it was like from December on when he really took off that he was playing 22 minutes a night. And then you have uh, Cal Clutterbuck and Scott Mayfield go down. He starts getting penalty kill minutes. And now it's even more. So I, I'm 100% uh, in agreement with you there. You, you do run that risk. So locking him up long term would definitely be the move right now. Um, you know, eight point. Uh, sorry, eight point, uh, by six should sound good to him after making nine to five for the last three years. Uh, so we'll see that where that goes. The one thing I wanted to ask you about, Joe, was you, you did say number one defenseman. You did say possible uh, future Norris candidate. There there was a, a, a huge, uh, I, I want to say, I don't want to say argument, but there was a disagreement. I'll go with that word uh, amongst fans on social media that that. Noah Dobson can never rise to this echelon of player. Have you seen his defense? He's quote unquote horrific in his own end. At 22 years old, what did you see from him defensively? We know what we saw from him offensively. And are these things that he can continue to uh, develop and grow to improve on? There were certainly growing pains. Um, from a 22 year old? Come on, Joe. Right. I, I <laughs> And I think, I, I don't know what. I don't spend, I, you know, I go on Twitter, I tweet what I have to tweet, and I get off. <laughs> I'm in, and then I'm out. I don't need that kind of stress in my life, nor do I need the, the strain of reading some of these comments. Uh, yeah, this, uh, <laughs> um, Noah Dobson's defense is obviously a little bit behind his, his offensive game. And, and sure. That's what I'm saying. Um, but I don't think you you need to make it sound like it can't be corrected, which I think a lot of fans are doing, that his defensive game couldn't be corrected. When he's playing under Barry Trotz. Right. You know, and, the team that established defensive hockey, really, over the last, like, three years. Right. And, and you know, when you look at and, – and listen, this is no slight to Zdeno Chara, but 
for the majority of the season, Dobson kind of pulled him along with him, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, again, this is what Zidane Chara was able to do in his age 44 season and playing 70 plus games um, and, and be, you know, willing to drop the gloves and mentoring young defensemen. It can't be understated how important that is. But at the same time, Noah Dobson was playing with the equivalency of a uh, of a traffic cone. Right. Um, Zidane Char was slow, um, and he was as close to stay at home near the net as as you can get. Where, how many times a game did we see guys just blowing by him down the right wing? Yeah. Um, it's it, it was a lot. Um, yeah. And I I think Dobson sort of had to at times cover for him in in, in a way um i think when you maybe pair him with a younger defenseman whose skill level might be a little bit more similar to his a a lot of these mistakes might (laughs) a lot of these mistakes might kind of happen but granted at the same time i mean i don't do i think that robin salas would come in and play with noah dobson two really young guys that'll never happen no that will never ever happen. he did one game (laughs) yes and half the roster was where you know um, but yeah that's um i i think noah dobson's game was good you know i would give it maybe like a b minus um you know maybe even a c plus that being said, I think his offensive game kind of raised his overall level to a B plus. Right. You still have room for improvement where again, you get a full off season where you're working with the Islanders coaching staff and it's all right, you know, we know you have your offensive game. It's still gonna be there. We want you to play exactly that way, but maybe in the defensive zone you have to be a little more conservative. Yeah. And all of a sudden his value is going to an A. Yeah, I'm with you. Listen, 22 years old, 51 points in his third season, pretty much his first full NHL season. Um, you really got to see what kind of player uh, and echelon he can he can bring himself to. And listen, when you have guys like Kevin Weeks saying that he's got a little bit of uh, Kel McCarr in him, you, you can't sit here and tell me, uh, you know, fan on Twitter that that there's absolutely no way he can raise his game when a guy like Kevin Weeks, who's been in the game and is now an analyst of the game, says he's got a little bit of Cal McCarr in him, who, oh, by the way, scored the most goals as a defenseman this season. So uh, great news on Dobson. Yes, he's got some room to grow, but he's just 22 years old. Uh, if the Islanders lock him up long term right now, that's an absolute win. We'll see what happens there. Hockey fans. The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets, no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Day Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at even bigger payouts. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets, no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Uh, want to move to goaltending. Um, and there were some great comments by Sorokin on Varlamov. And then there were some great comments by Varlamov on Sorokin. Let's hear from them both and what they had to say about each other. We're very good, very good uh, friends. We have a uh, really good uh, uh, relationship. Yeah, And uh, I'm really happy that I uh, have a... Um, this guy in our team because he helped too much. Uh, any questions that I have, he answer and help me. I think he had a great uh, year, you know, and then stats shows, uh, if you check his stats, his save percentage, like uh, goals against, and then, I mean, I think he's a top five, top ten goalies in the league, um, and then he played very well. Uh, from the from the beginning of the season, and he finished uh, season very strong too. 
so that's positive for him. I'm, I'm very happy for him. Uh, he definitely improving his game uh, each year he's playing in this league. You know, it's not easy league to play, and uh, that was the second year for him. You know, uh, we know like sometimes the guys uh, they don't play well like second season NHL, but he play outstanding, so that's good for him. I mean, we've heard all season that these two have a great friendship. And, you know, maybe they don't quite flaunt that friendship like Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark on the Bruins after every game with that display of a hug after each win, which is great, by the way. I, I love seeing that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, they're a little more reserved about their friendship. But every time they're asked about each other, they're they're always saying that they have a great friendship. Uh, Sorokin talks about how much a, of a value uh, Varlamov is in his development and learning English and, and how he's come a long way because of him. Um, and then Varlamov kind of takes that father role where he's kind of happy to see where he is. Talks about how much he's developed already in his just his second season with the Islanders and he's a top 10 goalie now. Um, and, and he's happy for him to take that step forward. Um you know, Varlamov later in that exit interview did say that he was relieved at the trade deadline, that he was not moved. He had a little bit of say in that, but um, ultimately he was happy to stay and further said that he wants to remain uh, and see it through with his contract. I don't know. If you ask me, I can't see the Islanders running these two back. I, I can't. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase. I can't not see the Islanders running these two back in net because you know, this is a two goaltender league. You need two viable goaltenders. Um, and when Sorokin went, uh, was unavailable, Varlamov took over. When Var Varlamov was unavailable, Sorokin took over. And each and every night, one of those two guys gave the Islanders a chance to win. If the Islanders are expecting to be contenders next season, they need both of these guys. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Um, I think... It's pretty clear that this season saw the passing of the torch. Uh, you know, Ilya Sorokin is the Islanders' number one goalie, and Semyon Varlamov is one of the best backup goalies in the league now. <laughs> uh, also one of the most expensive backup goalies in the league. Yeah. Uh, but that is what it is. Um, really, I think just to ensure that – I mean, Sorokin already does have his footing in North, you know, in North America. He's – He's fine. He's adjusted to the game really well. Um, that being said, I think one more season with Varlamov won't hurt. Um, you know, it's, it's a great partnership. They support each other fantastically. Um, and then I think it's more of a decision of what's going to happen in 2023-24. I think that's the bigger question. Um, I would Again, I'm with you. I would be absolutely shocked if Semyon Varlamov was not a member of the Islanders come opening night next year. Yeah, I, I almost wonder after um, – I'm going to chalk it up to he'll be back next season. I, I don't think that they're going to – you know, despite having $5 million on, on the cap, uh, I don't think they're going to move him because, again, this is a two-goaltender league. Um, I wonder about his next contract. If he Is he going to stay? Uh, I could see him staying and, and kind of taking a clutterbuck deal, right? Remain for another year or two, take half of what you made, um, and that's plenty good for me in, in a backup goaltender situation. What do you think there? I think it comes down to the mindset of if he thinks he's still a starting caliber goalie in the NHL. Right. Uh, I think he has, you know, he's had plenty of chances, you know, obviously this season, last year, he had, you know, he played starting time. I think if we see a sizable decrease in his playing time next year, that conversation might change, especially if he plays well. You know, if he comes through with a, a 9-2 save percentage and a 2-6 goals against average, and he hits free agency, there's going to be a ton of interest in him. Yeah. Um, and, and sure, the the thought of staying where you want to stay is, is all fine and dandy, but if a team comes in and they're offering double what the Islanders are offering and the opportunity to start, that's probably going to be difficult for him to turn down, even right. if he's going to be... 35 next off season. So yep. it's, it's tough. Yeah. I think a little bit of the state of the team has to come into play there as well. You know, depending on how they have and see success uh, for the 22, 23 season. Um, if they do return to the playoffs, if they do make that deep playoff run, um, if they get just close enough again and maybe don't snag it, he might want to see it through. Um, but agree with you. 
Um, it, it is a situational uh, situation. However, he will most likely, in our opinion, be back on the Islanders next season, probably not moved. Um, and and it, again, you'd be crazy not to run this tandem back. You saw what happened in Vegas, right? Robin Leonard went down uh, multiple times. Listen, Logan Thompson, all the credit to him in the world. He he gave it his very best, but you know, there, it's not a Varlamov Sorokin tandem over there. It's Leonard and backup goaltender. And you saw the demise of the Vegas Golden Knights. And they had a plethora of injuries. But I bet if Robin Leonard was in net for the majority of those games that Logan Thompson was playing, they probably would have had a little bit of a better chance of getting into the playoffs this year. I, I do think that a part that is going to play in the future of Semyon Varlamov with the Islanders is going to be Linus Soderstrom. Um, you know, uh, Jakub Skarik? Mm, there, there is Skarik, um, but I don't even think Soderstrom's part of the organization anymore. No, is he really not? I think he's gone. I was going to say, <laughs> I think he was pretty highly touted, um, but if it's Skarik or Soderstrom, I don't know. Um, there, there are young goalies brewing in the system, and you might have to do some research for me, or we have to pull up uh, Michelle Anderson over there, who's our prospect. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but that being said, I think that the organization is at some point going to want to give a fair shake to their younger goalies. Yeah, that's um, fair. Where, you know, I think a, a cheaper backup option would be available con- compared to Varlamov. But I'm going to have to do my research now and see where uh, Linus Soderstrom is because I, <laughs> I thought he was pretty highly touted. Uh, yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, he was returned to uh, Sweden. I think they terminated his contract. Uh, I think it might have been two summers ago. I learned something new today. I thought yeah. he, I thought he was in camp. <laughs> no, I, but the uh, the other kid, Jacob Skarik, he he has actually seen some pretty good progress. So what you might have seen in, in terms of prospect progress in, in goaltenders, you might have seen it in, in Skarik and just maybe uh, confuse the S names. Uh, because I think that he's actually – he might be a little bit better than um, what the Islanders initially thought. So that's that's good news in the, in the goaltender pipeline. Yeah, sure. Uh, I want to talk about Oliver Wallstrom. He says that he needed the tough love this season, and it, it was good and helpful for his development. Um, he talks a lot about improving this offseason. There's a lot of little things he can get better at in his game. Um, he was asked about the amount of practice time he had, which was a fair question in my opinion, because there wasn't a whole lot of time to practice and hone his skills in season, given the schedule. Um Kevin Kurz wrote yesterday with The Athletic that there's a possibility he can be involved in a quote-unquote hockey trade. Do you see that, or do you see him in the lineup next season, and where do you see him in the lineup next season? Uh, Is this a a scenario where trading him really opens up doors and gives the team a plethora of cap space? Uh, I mean, he might be used to sweeten the pot, per se. Um, I think that, you know, that tough love that came from the organization and the coaching staff, I mean, obviously it's trying to better him, but the short leash certainly indicates that there's, there wasn't a a lot of trust uh, in his game. I mean, granted, they kept giving him opportunities because they really had no better options within the system. But if you could, I'm not ready to close the door on Wallstrom. Um, again, I think if you put him in a, a different system, I think he's a completely different hockey player. Again, you're talking about a a guy who's a sniper who's trying to learn on the fly to play two-way hockey at the NHL level. That's not easy. I'm um, with you. And you saw, like I talked about with Noah Dobson, you saw the growing pains in Oliver Wallstrom's game this year. So I think it would really need to take a big fish for the Islanders to Think about parting ways with Wallstrom. Yeah, you know, a package deal, which really, which which brings back a superstar, perennial goal scorer. Yeah, you're you're giving up, you know, first round draft picks, uh, you know, a Bavillier, a Wallstrom, and uh, and a you know a prospect or something like that, where it's going to have to be something franchise altering, earth shattering, NHL blockbuster making. Um, but. For now, I I don't see the issue with 
giving Wallstrom another chance if that opportunity doesn't arise to make that big splash where he needs to be included to make it. Um, he has the shot. You know, he has the shot. He has the skill set. Yeah. He just needs some fine tuning. Um, and he's, yeah. he's young. He'll, he'll, you know, I, th- I think he'll get there. Uh, you know what I like about him? He's got a little bit of nastiness in his game. Um, and, and you need that, right? Look at, um, and I'm not saying that they're comparable players, but maybe there's a little bit of, of similarity there. I look at the Kachuk brothers and, and I see how they get under people's skin. And Wallstrom's not afraid to do that. Maybe he doesn't do it as often. Maybe he doesn't do it as well. Um, but he's going to score 30 goals eventually in this in this league. And you need a guy like that who who's a bit of an agitator, but can do, uh, but but can also put the puck in the back of the net. So um, I'm not saying that Wallstrom can be like a Kachuk or as good as a Kachuk, but he has that similar style to his game. Maybe a little bit more of a sniper. Uh, the Kachuks, you know, score dirtier goals, but um, he he has that that edginess that I I really like to see. Um, not afraid to stand up for his teammates, especially at, at such a young age. Um, you know, and, and again, he's he's just 21 going on 22. I, I feel he's essentially just one season behind uh, Noah Dobson in terms of his development, right? Dobson had a little bit more time at the NHL level. Um, and, I, and I think that there's, uh, there's reason to believe that next year, maybe even the year after, he can really start to take off. So I'm with you. I wouldn't give up on Oliver Wallstrom yet, um, unless, like you said, he's involved in one of those hockey trades that brings you back a perennial scorer goal scorer uh, an all-star if you will um so we'll, we'll see what uh happens with with oliver Wallstrom. but yeah the tough love um like you said that that was purposeful that was that was in terms of developing him as a player because they see him as part of the solution moving forward so um and i don't know if the islanders are at the uh or have the luxury of trading away their young guys yeah uh i don't know i i, I don't think they are either um and i don't think they'd be willing to yeah um, but but again it's you, you you have to pay to get right um and you know it they're still in a tight spot are they going to have enough money to get a big name free agent when you were also talking about potentially giving barzala long term extension giving dobson right. a long term extension um, or do you have to give up some young pieces to get, you know, do you have to give up a Bodie Wild? Do you have to give up an Oliver Wallstrom? Do you have to give up, uh, Jacob Scarrick? Do you have right. to, you know, do you have to give up Kiefer Bellows? There's, I think there's, there's levels to it of which ones you'd obviously be more willing to part with. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there's really one or two prospects that might be untouchable uh, within the organization. I think one is Atu Ratu, um, given the hype that's all around him. So I, I don't know. I, this is this is a it's a tricky offseason to navigate. It's not as difficult as sure. it was last season um, when I think Glamorello did a pretty good job trying to clear up some cap space. Yeah. But you know, I, I think they. And this might even sound tired. I think they laid down the foundation. You know, they they have these they have these parts here where we know okay, we know Zach Breezy can be a contributor. Right. We know that the fourth line is still going to be intact next year. We have our, you know, the Islanders have their top two defensemen locked down. Um you know, so now it's just can they finally bring in that extra little bit of flair that extra puzzle piece or two that's going to actually make them you know not just a team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs but a team that's okay these guys are actually legit you know they're they're going to be in the conversation to win a division they're going to be a top two or three seed in the eastern conference and they're going to be a perennial second or third round playoff team if not more yeah, and, and you heard that from you know opposing teams and, and their coaches uh, throughout the season. Even though they weren't in the playoff picture, the Islanders were not a team that coaches enjoyed playing against, and they knew it was going to be a tough matchup every night, uh, regardless of playoff position. So um, I, I think that that's going to remain moving forward, um, and, and I'm with you. I think that next season they're going to be one of those teams. In the regular season and in the playoffs, nobody's going to want to run into. 
Uh, two players that you mentioned real quick. Yes or no. We'll elaborate on another episode um, in the future, uh, but only yes or no answers right now. Uh, Anthony Bavillier, will he be a New York Islander in 22-23? No. Josh Bailey, will he be a New York Islander in 22-23? No. Wow. Uh, Scott Mayfield, will he be an Islander in 22-23? Yeah. And Semyon Varlamov, I think we know. Yeah. Yeah. That was Bailey's tough. I know. That is a tough tough. one. I I saw a good article by uh, our friend Mitch Anderson, who you mentioned earlier, um, where he he actually he got he got ahead of the game on the offseason and started contemplating some good landing destinations. And um, you know, there was a lot of talk amongst the Ottawa Senators saying that they're ready to take the next step forward, they want to win, but they need some veterans. That might be a good landing spot for Josh Bailey because they have the cap space in Ottawa. Um, and maybe there's something that the Islanders could use from the Senators. So um, pure speculation. I thought it was a good read. Uh, if you want to check it out uh, by Mitch Anderson, Eyes on Isles. Um, but we mentioned Scott Mayfield. Uh, his exit interview was an encouraging one. Says he's 100% healthy headed into the offseason. You said that he won't be uh, moving moving from the Islanders. Where, what is his role going to be in 22-23? Where do you see him fitting? I think optimally he would be a third pairing defenseman. Yeah, I'm with you. A darn good third pairing defenseman at that. I think yeah. the organization trusts him. Uh, again, he's got the experience. Um, he knows the system, and he could certainly hold that final pairing down. Yeah, it's finding his partner and maybe a second pairing defenseman that's going to be yeah. uh, the, the question uh, this off season. But, um. Yeah, I, I think Mayfield is – I know for a fact that he gets a certain amount of hate on, on social media. Um, no, come on. I think, <laughs> uh, I think he's too invaluable to let go. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I can say it with some confidence at least he should be getting trade calls um, throughout the, throughout the offseason. I think that there are going to be some teams that are, you know, needy on the blue line that are you know shot in the dark they know the islanders have a need they're going to have a need and uh you know if there was a defenseman that could be traded that would you know bring something back for the islanders that they'd be willing to part with it would be scott mayfield yeah i'm 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 with you however i do also believe that he will be uh back next season i think i'm okay with if if robin sallow can prove it if it's him and sallow on that third pairing um, I know Samuel Bolduck will be trying to uh, make the team next season as well. Um, they 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 say that Bolduck is like a pellet light, uh, so that that's pretty encouraging to hear. Uh, so we'll we'll see what that third pairing looks like. But I definitely agree that he'll he's the optimal third pairing guy, especially for his cap hit and and what he brings uh, on the ice. Um, so Scott Mayfield, hundred percent healthy, headed into the offseason and should be back as an Islander next season. Speaking of the defense, what do they look like in twenty two twenty three? Um, you know, Charo was spoken about. Green was spoken about. They're both unsure of what their future is going to look like. Do either of those guys come back? And in, in, in what capacity? Uh, and what do the Islanders really need to do? Uh, what what kind of defenseman do they need to acquire? And if you have a name, drop one. I, I don't have a name. <laughs> that's that's for sure. That's fair. Uh, that being said, I think Andy Green could return or should return as a coach. Uh, I like that a lot. And I think Zidane Chara should ride off into the sunset. <laughs> uh, he, he has nothing to prove. Zidane Chara has absolutely nothing else to prove. I know he might want to, you know, go for another ring. Um, but I don't think there's any contending team out there that would take a, a 45-year-old defenseman who, again, incredible shape. He defies father time. Yeah. Um, but this I, year- I mean – I think I'm okay with him coming back as a coach if he wants to, much like uh, Andy Green. Sure, sure. No, have him work within the organization, find a spot for him, 100%. Yeah. That's the only way that I think – well, that's the only way I think they should return um, <laughs> the organization. I think a lot of people out there would actually agree with me there. Um, but in, in terms of replacements, I think, yeah, there are going to be some young guys that get pretty good looks. Um I don't necessarily know what's out there on the market right now of defensemen that they can go for. I 
don't think it's all that enticing if I'm not really sure who's out there. Um, and then it comes down to the question of, well, where do they want to spend their money? Where do they want to make the big move? You know, do they want to get that big time goal scorer, or are they going to use what money they have to go get a defenseman? Um, right. So it, it might be, you know, one side of the puck, you might see them try to make trades, and the other side of the puck, you might try to see them use their money. So I don't know. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit again uh, regarding the forward group. Uh, we, we know what the free agency pool is going to look like. And really, if the Islanders are looking to improve their first line, there's only one of three players they could sign in in uh, free agency. It's going to be Johnny Gaudreau. It's going to be Philip Forsberg or possibly Claude Giroux. I'm on the fence with Claude Giroux just because the Islanders need a goal scorer. And yes, he is a former 30 goal scorer, but He's a little later in his career, and you don't really know if he can bring that caliber of scoring back. Granted, he's doing pretty well with the Florida Panthers, but the Panthers score about 15 goals a game. So that's not fair <laughs> to, to sit here and, and assess. Um, however, Johnny Gaudreau is having a career year. He's up for you know, possible heart candidates, uh, candidacy. Um, and Philip Forsberg, uh, I think, had his career best uh, year in, in the goal scoring department. Who's the main priority for the Islanders in heading into free agency. Do you think it's Johnny Gaudreau? Do you think it's Philip Forsberg? Could it be Claude Giroux? I, I will. I think Giroux is, is a little too old to bring it. I'm agree. I'm going to agree with you there. This is, the, you know, one of the oldest teams. It's not the oldest team in the league. The last thing they need to do is bring on, you know, Claude Giroux. Um, I would be shocked if Philip Forsberg left Nashville. I think Calgary will do everything they can in their power to keep Johnny Goudreau. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, you know, they have a little bit of a cap situation themselves going on over there. And uh, Matthew Kachuk's qualifying offer is going to be $9 million. So it's going to be hard to keep them both. But if they can't, you'd, you'd have to think that Johnny Goudreau is the guy that the Islanders need to uh, go after. They're very hardest. Um, could, you, could you imagine a Barzell-Johnny Goudreau tandem? That would be uh, that would be something. Um, that would be pretty interesting. And listen, talent wise, no slight to Elias Lindholm, but ha he's never played with a better center uh, sure. than, than Matthew Barzell. So that would be sure. uh, a, a, a gift for Islander fans. I think Goudreau and Barzell's games are sort of comparable, where Goudreau yeah. is sort of a pass first kind of guy. Well, not a pass first guy, but he's an assist guy. Um, yeah, you know. We're, would Islanders fans love him? A hundred percent. Is he that sniper? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say the name again, and it will get people kind of mixed up or whatever. Um, I think they should monitor the situation of Patrick Laine, um, restricted free agent. I don't know if Columbus is going to do everything they can to keep him. Right. Um, the Metropolitan Division is tough. They are one of the bottom bottom teams, and they need a lot, a lot to be a contender. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they can do that while keeping Patrick Laine on the books, giving him a big contract. That remains to be seen. But if he is available, there is your just pure yeah. goal scorer um, that the Islanders have been coveting for ages now um where all of a sudden your first line is then barzal and patrick line um, yeah i mean the, you could you could see barzell being that 60 70 assist guy and you could see 90 percent of those assists go to patrick line so uh yeah i definitely agree with you there that would be uh definitely something to monitor uh i was going to ask you who your dark horse was uh, you know via trade but you, you just gave it to me i think uh patrick line is your dark horse and um you know there there will be um, some disagreements about whether they should or should not acquire a guy like Patrick Laine. Oh, he doesn't play defense and, and he's lazy, yada, yada. But uh, the Islanders have not had a goal scorer of the echelon of Patrick Laine since Mike Bossy. So it, it's not something that you uh, don't try and do. It's something that the Islanders sh should look into um, depending on how Columbus handles their offseason. Uh, we'll see what happens, but I do like the pick. Patrick Line is a good one uh, to hear. Um, I think that wraps it up for us here, Joe. 
Sounds it was it was great to have you back. I uh, appreciate you coming on. And uh, John was absent this week. He's uh, visiting Long Island and he's uh, getting back to his roots and, and recharging and, and relaxing. So uh, thanks for filling in. Thanks for coming back. We missed you. Um, and uh, we look forward to having you on again. I appreciate it. I missed you guys, too. I'm going to go study Islanders goaltending prospects. <laughs> Uh, real quick, we want to say thank you to DraftKings. Use that THPN promo code. Um, thank you to the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you to Isles Fix. And, of course, all of you, our listeners, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Nassiman Hockey. And you can find my work at The Fourth Period. You can find Joe's work at Tailgate Sports and AM New York. Uh, and until next time, everybody, let's go out.